Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Safe Side, a monthly podcast hosted by the editors of Safety and Health Magazine, the official magazine of the National Safety Council. This is Alan Ferguson. I'm associate editor with Safety and Health, and with me, as always, are my fellow associate editors, Barry Bettino and Kevin Drewley. This is November, and episode lucky number 21. And thank you to everyone who attended our first in-person NSC Safety Congress and Expo in two years last month in Orlando, and thanks to all of you who joined us virtually. We sincerely appreciate your attendance in either form. If you want to read about what happened at Congress and Expo or any other news from around the safety world, please check out safetyandhealthmagazine.com. Speaking of websites, we have one for our sister publication, Family Safety and Health, available at safetyandhealthmagazine.com family, where you can learn more about safety away from work. Our sponsor for this month's episode is 3M Extract, and we'll tell you more about them a little bit later. In this episode, we'll talk to Kevin about his feature on Delta-8 THC, an emerging issue when it comes to cannabis impairment. Former OSHA official trainer, consultant, and author John Newquist joins us for our five questions with to discuss scaffolding safety. And stay tuned for our pop quiz, and we'll discuss the movies that make us feel merry and bright this holiday season. Is everybody ready? Let's go. Each month here at On the Safe Side, we take an in-depth look at a feature story from the pages of Safety and Health magazine, which we call our Deep Dive. This month, Kevin writes about a murky topic that is causing concern among employers, Delta-8-THC, a chemical compound in marijuana that one source in the story said uh, is the, quote, less potent cousin, unquote, of the psychoactive compound Delta-9, which is what gives marijuana users a high. So what does the rise of Delta-8 mean in terms of impairment at work, and how have states and the federal government reacted? Well, Kevin talked to some very knowledgeable sources about this subject, and he has plenty to share with you today. Kevin, could you give our listeners some insights uh, with your latest deep dive? Absolutely, Barry, and thank you for the introduction and for that natural early segue to sources. Uh, We all know sources are the lifeblood of our features, but uh, I'm especially... uh, grateful to them this time around. And, and really just from, from the moment this assignment was pitched, it was evident that while we wanted to inform readers about what Delta-8 is and why it's being discussed, and that was the object of the story, we also knew that we likely weren't going to tie things into a neat, tidy bow, just given the complicated and murky, as you call it, nature of the subject matter. Um, don't want to make it sound like we're endeavoring to, to tangle everybody up, but before we get into that and, and the possibility of saying, hey, hold on a second, we'll We'll get going just first with, with some basics about everything. So yes, Delta-8 is, is a chemical compound in marijuana. It occurs naturally in small quantities in the cannabis plant, and it chemically is similar to Delta-9, the psychoactive compound that gives marijuana users a high. Uh, many products that contain Delta-8, such as gummies and vapes, those are synthesized in labs to increase the amount of Delta-8, which hemp experts say produces, again, a less psychoactive effect than Delta-9. Still, a psychoactive effect is a psychoactive effect, and these can impair a worker's judgment and lead to the endangerment of the worker and those around them. It's a safety risk, plain and simple. So as the popularity of Delta-8 products grows, the concern for employers is not simply the possibility of impairment and the potential for these harmful contaminants in products, uh, as they're, you know, we'll talk more about how much they're, they're regulated and monitored and things of that sort. But in addition to these, it's just an overarching unanswered question and that is this, is Delta-8 federally legal? Um, of course, we, we aim to address that question in the story as best we can, but with apologies to a Facebook relationship status, there are, are many undertones of it's complicated. 
as Faye Caldwell, who's a Houston-based employment law attorney and member of the National Safety Council Alcohol, Drugs, and Impairment Division, tells our readers, quote, anyone who thinks that Delta-8 is federally legal or thinks it's federally illegal, the correct answer is unclear at this time, and there are lawsuits going on. It's just not tremendously clear, unquote. Well, Kevin, this obviously sounds like a tricky legal and safety situation for sure. How do experts begin to unpack the regulatory debate? Well, sure. And, and really, it's kind of where do you begin? And I, I think a good place to start and in a place that, that experts really pointed to initially was the Agriculture Improvement Act of 2018, which commonly is known as the Farm Bill. Um, this legislation amended the definition of marijuana under the Controlled Substances Act of 1970. Uh, so under the law, hemp-derived products with a Delta-9 THC concentration of 0.3% or less no longer are considered controlled substances, but the law makes no mention of Delta-8 THC. So in the story, our, our NSC colleague Claire Stror, who works with the Council's Impairment Practice Initiative, said that when states began adopting the Farm Bill into their own state laws, many of them used the same legislative language, which she called very ambiguous. While some states added clarification, Many feel that the farm bill development sort of spurred a greater production of Delta-8 products. At the time the story went to print in the magazine, Colorado and Washington were among the states to ban or restrict Delta-8 products. And this is especially notable because recreational and medicinal use of marijuana is legal in those states. Uh, multiple states, including Washington and Kentucky, have classified Delta-8 products as a Schedule One drug prohibited under federal law. Now, other states have taken measures to regulate Delta-8, including Michigan, where Governor Gretchen Whitmer in July signed legislation that allows only licensed cannabis retailers to sell products containing Delta-8. As of the time we recorded this, that would be effective in mid-October. Some experts, uh, including one in the story, said he felt that this could help mitigate an ongoing issue in the industry that often finds the content of Delta-8 either is unclearly or incorrectly listed on the product label. And the story's got some more information about that as far as what that means and, and what employers and you know, and workers should know about that in kind. Getting back, though, to the to the federal discussion, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, in August 2020, issued an interim final rule stating that all synthetically derived THC remains Schedule One controlled substances, which, again, those are prohibited under federal law. However, the Farm Bill doesn't reference the DEA having oversight authority, Caldwell said. And further, uh, upon reaching out to a DEA spokesperson, they confirmed that the agency still was reviewing thousands of public comments on the interim final rule and would be, quote, unable to comment on any impact and legality, unquote, of these, you know, I'm going to say the word and, and pause a second and you'll see some of those words in, in the story, but uh, tetrahydrocannabinols, which include Delta-8, uh, they're unable to comment on those things and the legality again until this process is complete. Kevin, the question begs that is, is Delta-8 detectable in drug testing? So under the federal drug testing program, laboratory screen for Delta-9. Uh, now, although Faye Caldwell said that she knows of at least one lab that performs specialized Delta-8 testing, she notes that there would need to be a greater demand for such specialization for it to become common. And she was discussing labs and possible testing when she said, quote, do they have the ability? Sure, most labs would, but it's not widespread, if at all, unquote. Now, something else to keep in mind related to employer drug testing is that the Departments of Transportation and Health and Human Services do not accept CBD or hemp use as a reasonable explanation for a positive test for marijuana. Uh, the federal regulations state that motor carriers must conduct pre-employment drug testing as well as random testing 
and employees who test positive are prohibited from performing safety-sensitive functions, including operating a commercial motor vehicle. Uh, in February 2020, just offshoot of this, DOT issued a compliance notice cautioning workers about CBD products. So again, kind of true to the form of the overall uncertainty behind the Delta 8 issue, the story concludes with another query that, that Faye Caldwell raises, and that's this. Uh, what action would employers take if Delta 8 is found in a specimen? So uh, again, we hope that you understand after listening today and after you take a, a look and, and a read at the story in the magazine, why the answer to that question and numerous other questions are fuzzy. But we also encourage you not to get not to get too disconcerted because we're going to keep keep covering this issue as it pertains to workers and certainly be on the lookout in safety and health for, for more of that. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for this uh, really interesting and unique feature. If you want to read more about Delta 8 and a lot of other news from around the safety world, please do us a favor and check out the November issue of Safety and Health Magazine, or you can visit us online at safetyandhealthmagazine.com. This month's episode is sponsored by 3M Extract. Are you ready for a better way to sand? With 3M Extract, sanding is virtually dust-free. The new 3M Extract system includes new net sanding discs, random orbital sanders, and portable dust extraction units that capture up to 97% of the dust generated during sanding. Here's how it works. The net backing in the discs enables optimal dust capture through the vacuum sander, while ceramic 3M precision-shaped grain delivers an industry-leading cut rate. Want to learn more about the 3M Extract clean sanding solution? Go to 3mextract.com. That's 3mxtract.com. 3M Extract. Sanding reimagined. A fixture on many of OSHA's recent top 10 violations lists? Scaffolding issues can provide trouble for many employers, and with us to today discuss that topic is consultant, trainer, and author John Newquist. Among his vast experience, John is a former OSHA Assistant Regional Administrator and former OSHA Area Director. John, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us on the Safe Side. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So as I mentioned, scaffolding violations are pretty much a fixture on OSHA's annual top 10 list. What are some of the reasons they pose an issue for certain employers? Well, you know, falls are a big source of uh, accidents in construction. There's about 300, 400 deaths in construction due to falls, and scaffolds are going to be a percentage of them. And scaffolds are easy to use, but very easy to make mistakes on it and, and cause accidents and injuries. John, along with falls, especially from unguarded leading edges, what are some other significant hazards that workers can encounter when it comes to scaffolds? The, uh, the train you set up the scaffold seems to be the challenge for a lot of uh, contractors. The ground may not be even and it's not as flat like a concrete surface would be. So they are out there working with uh, different levels and they have to have screw jacks to raise these scaffolds up so they're uniform and level. What are some ways that employers can abate or fix these issues? Well, the first thing that I always go is that trying to have the workers have some kind of training class and scaffold erection and how to put up a scaffold. It's amazing how many people have never had any training whatsoever on how to put up a scaffold. They've learned from experience, but they don't learn the correct way to do it, which is bad. So I go out there and I see, you know, simple things like the scaffold isn't fully planked. There's no guardrails and there's no uh, base plates and mud sills. And then the scaffold is often not braced correctly. 
and every manufacturer will require some kind of bracing to keep the scaffold firm and rigid. So these are common ones, and then how do you get up to the level you're working at? Some scaffolds you can climb, some scaffolds you cannot climb. If the foot distance of your rungs are more than 16 and 3 quarter inches, you're going to need a ladder that could attach to the scaffold or an extension ladder to get up on the working deck. So, John, what are some resources that are available out there to help workers? Well, the OSHA.gov site has uh, many resources out there for the scaffolding. It has the rules and regulations, several pictures. And then, you know, every manufacturer that sells scaffolds almost seems to have a video now how to put up and erect the scaffold safely. And some scaffolds you can have 100% fall erection for the erector, and some scaffolds you're going to need to have some kind of an anchorage above you if you wanted to try to protect the erector. And, John, you mentioned a couple of resources. Um, are there any other options for employers and employees who really want to learn about uh, working safely on scaffolding? What's the best way for them to go about it? There's an industry association, you know, that uh, goes out and works with it, Scaffold Industry Association. They put out information. If you're going to be out there using scaffolds all the time, that's something a lot of employers do. But different, you know, trades, you know, whether it be the roofers or the bricklayers, they'll have industry associations and they'll have training classes in seminars on different topics, including scaffolds. Uh, there are several uh, uh, groups in the, you know, the nationwide area that teach fall protection and construction and scaffold safety and construction under the OSHA Harwood grants. And that training is free to any employers. Just a matter of finding out which uh, groups would be teaching it this year. John, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. And thanks for everything you do for worker safety and health. And it was a pleasure to have you here on the safe side. All right. Thanks for being here. I enjoyed it. So as the calendar turns to November, it's time for the gift that keeps on giving, holiday movies. For the record, I do not think that Die Hard is a holiday movie, but there are plenty of great ones to choose from for all ages. And on this month's pop quiz, we want to share our favorite cinematic selections when it comes to the holidays. And I'll go first. Uh, I would say the first one that jumps to mind for me is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You cannot go wrong with John Candy and Steve Martin in the same movie together. And there's just so many funny scenes in that movie. Uh, and a friend of mine always likes to point out as uh, he and I are driving uh, toward his uh, hometown in central Illinois, uh, where one of the hotel scenes was filmed in that movie. So he always points it out to me every single time. Uh, the other one I have is when my daughters were little, there was a movie from 1999, a kind of 2D animated movie called Olive, the other reindeer and Drew Barrymore voiced uh, the main character. It was really a great movie for kids. A little scary in some spots when my when my daughters were little, um, but still really good movie, uh, especially around the holiday time. Uh, so, Alan, how about you? I mean, I could go with a Christmas story. I could go with It's a Wonderful Life. I know those are, are beloved classics. And I was also introduced, I know this is not necessarily a movie, but I was introduced last year to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't think I'd ever seen that for a long time. I, my wife saw it every year as a kid. And I also got introduced to Burger Meister Meister Burger as well. I'd never seen that one. Um, but I'm going to go with an outside-the-box one. I'm going to go with 1945's Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck. Dennis Morgan, and, and also a couple of actors who appeared in Casablanca, uh, Sidney Greenstreet and S.C. Sakal. I hope I pronounced that name right. So, yeah, it's, it was a favorite of my mom's, and I watched it, rewatched it last year for the first time in a long time. Really enjoyed it once again. So, 
What about you, Kevin? I could, but I won't go one year earlier with 1944's Meet Me in St. Louis. I, quick aside, though, I I, um, I recently was bored, and, and what led me to check that out from the, the library, I don't know. I mean, I'm familiar with it being from there, but I enjoyed it. That's the, the movie that gave us uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But uh, I'll fast forward and also go away from real actors and sort of go the, the animated route. Um, you mentioned sort of some of those animated specials, but yeah, really... I, I latch on to those quite a bit. I, there are certainly holiday movies that I'm a fan of, including one Barry mentioned with uh, Planes, Trades, and Automobiles. But really, the I don't know if you want to say triumvirate because there's six or seven and everybody has their own opinions on which are the best. But between uh, The Grinch, Charlie Brown Christmas, and, and Frosty the Snowman, that, that block, uh, and I'm sure there was at some point they all aired within hours of each other, but kind of glomming those three together, just always sort of identify the season with those and um now in the day and age of, of streaming and having your own copy you know you don't have to wait for the magical airtime of seven o'clock on whatever first friday in december for some of those to air but i know growing up that was kind of appointment viewing when those kinds of things didn't exist and it just sort of thrust you into the, the happiness and the spirit of the season well thank you fellas and now we want to hear from you our listeners Go ahead and share your favorite holiday movies by emailing us at safehealth at nsc.org. Or you can check in on social media with the hashtag SafesidePopQuiz. To everyone listening out there in podcast land, we say thank you. Your time is valuable, and we're grateful that you've spent some of your day with us. We'd also like to thank our sponsor this month, 3M Extract. Remember, if you want to keep your employees, your colleagues, and your family members safe, we have just the publication for you, Family Safety and Health. Each issue is packed with helpful tips that will keep families safe at home and in the community, along with informational articles about your health. To get a free copy or learn more, visit our new website, safetyandhealthmagazine.com family, or subscribe by calling 800-621-7619. If you'd like to share some feedback with us about the podcast, email us at safehealth@nsc.org. We also would appreciate you sharing a rating and a review of this podcast. To find stories such as Kevin's feature on Delta 8 THC, as well as all the latest news about safety and health, you can visit us online. We're at safetyandhealthmagazine.com. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Big thanks for the original music for this podcast. goes to our friend Steve Maslin. Thanks so much, Steve. We'll be back next month with another episode to have more safety-related discussions, talk to trusted voices from around the profession, and hopefully make you smile a little. In the meantime, feel free to tell a fellow safety pro about our podcast, and please stay on the safe side. (music) 